Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. You're confessing that you are being fed, you are growing, you are developing. And the scripture talks about our faith grows exceedingly. That's why there would be a purpose for something like faith school is because faith is not a stagnant thing, a static thing. You're given a measure of faith when you're born again. And it depends on what you do with that as to whether it stays there and, or whether it grows. And so it's not just up to God how much faith we have, but we have a part to play. It needs to be fed. And not just fed on anything, it needs to be nourished up in the words of faith, anointed things that God said. That's what will feed your faith and your spirit. So get your Bible, something to make some notes with. Come on into the classroom, saved you a seat right here. These guys are nice around here. They'll treat you good. You're sitting by, you won't be bothered with them. They'll, their, their faith will actually splash over on you, and stir you up and encourage you. It's it is good to be around a company of faith because sometimes people see things before you do and they'll get all excited and go, oh, glory to God. And you go, what? What are you excited about? And you find out and it really does affect the environment. And so that's why we say, come in here, come into the class. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we are so thankful that you've loved us, you chose us. We can know you, we can walk with you by faith, by the Spirit. We're asking you today for this day, our daily bread. We're asking you for things that nourish us and feed us and enable us and enlighten us and quicken us, strengthen us. We ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn to the scriptures again to our uh, in our great textbook to Matthew 9, let's continue our study of this healing of the paralyzed man. We've been studying these individual cases. We saw the healing of the leper. We saw the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And now we're down to the third one here, the healing of the paralyzed man. It's recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew 9, Jesus entered a ship, verse 1, and passed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, paralyzed, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. 
And he arose and departed to his house. An amazing thing. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God, which had given such power or such authority to men. Look at Mark's account. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noised that he was in the house. Word got out that he was home. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Notice that the preaching of the word always preceded the healings and the miracles. And why would that be? Because faith is a factor in the healings and miracles. And how do you get faith? How does faith come? It comes by hearing. The, the preaching and teaching always comes first. That's what produces the faith. And they come to him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried by four. When they could not come near to him for the press of people, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, said out loud, he saw their faith. faith. Reckon he can see your faith. (laughs) Sure. Faith is discernible. Some have left the impression, well, you know, uh, God knows my heart and uh, my faith, you know, it's a private thing between me and him. And, and the, the concept is that nobody else could really know if I have faith or not. Well, that's not completely true. Uh, faith is discernible. Faith can be seen. Faith without an action, James says, is dead. And... Um, So if you say you have faith, but it never shows up in anything you do, then you don't have living faith. It's just empty talk. He saw their faith. Say it again. He saw their faith. faith. And when he did, he said to the sick of the palsy, son, your sins be forgiven you. So this statement is also in response to their faith. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? God only. Now this is uh, sums up in a phrase a doctrine of devils or demons. A doctrine of demons that's taught and preached in churches all over the world. What do you mean, Brother Key? God only. God only. What do you mean? It's all up to God. It's all up to God. God only. And uh, this concept of God is in control. And by implication, that, that implies everything that happens or doesn't happen, God's in control of. So that means that was, it was somehow the will of God and the plan of God. Everything that happened, everything that didn't happen, that is untrue. Y'all with me, class? Yes, sir. That is not 
what the Bible teaches. It is untrue. And yet, it is widely believed. <laughs> it is widely preached and taught. And people act like they're showing respect to God and, and, and get indignant if anybody dares to act like they could say something or they, well, who do you think you are? No, God's in control. That is actually devil-inspired thought. Now, you, you would think, what? The devil is inspiring people to say God's in control? Yes, because if, you are try, if you're convinced it's God only, then you think you have no responsibility. You have no personal authority. You have no personal power to do anything. So you won't try to do anything. You will delegate everything to waiting on God. And if you do that, the enemy's got you right where he wants you. He can just steal, kill, and destroy in your life, and you will do nothing about it. Not only will you not resist the devil himself, you will blame everything the devil does on God. It's one of the worst problems in the church class. It is one of the most evil doctrines and it is pervasive all over the globe. People think they're being, you know, really strong Christian and religious to say God is in control. God is controlling everything. They think that's, that's good and it's not good. You can't leave up to God what he left up to you. Right? And if you're begging God to do something that he told you to do, he can't answer that prayer. He'd have to change what he said to answer your prayer. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And you see it in the indignation of these religious people, don't you? Did you hear their words? Jesus, who's functioning as a man, he is the Son of God, but He's not operating as God. For one thing, you remember when He was baptized in the river and the Spirit of God came on Him. And immediately, you know, after the temptation, He went teaching and preaching and the anointing was on Him. Well, God doesn't need to be anointed, right? He is the anointer. <laughs> the anointer doesn't need to be anointed. Why would Jesus need to be anointed? And we know this is the case because Acts 10, you know, turn there and look at it. Acts 10, 38 says this. It says, and it's talking about this, the gospel, the good news. He said, verse 36, he said, the word, Acts 10, 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Was Jesus anointed by God the Father? Well, he must not have been operating as God or he wouldn't have needed to be anointed. Come on, can you see that? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The term, the names of the master, uh, the way they're structured in the scriptures are significant. Uh, There's a significance to the order of the words and what words are used. Sometimes you'll see it, it'll say, it just say Jesus. Sometimes it'll say the Christ. Sometimes it'll say Jesus Christ. Sometimes it'll say Christ Jesus. Well, that's not random. Uh, if that's the way it appears in the original, it's because there's an emphasis on humanity, uh, deity, uh, deity, humanity, humanity, deity, Deity only. You understand what I'm saying? Well, what, what do you see here? How God anointed who? Jesus. That's humanity. Of Nazareth. That's where he's from. That's a lot like saying John from Smithtown. That's not disrespectful. It's emphasizing he's functioning as a man. Come on, can you see that? And one reason I'm talking about this is because we just got through reading in Matthew when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Oh man, the religious people had a big problem with that. And then when he said, well, which one's easier? And he spoke to the man, get up, take your bed. They glorified God, most of the people did, and marveled that God had given such authority to men. Huh? Did you hear what the scripture said? The emphasis is not on his deity. The emphasis is on the humanity. And it didn't just say who had given such authority to a man, who had given such authority to men. And this is the thing that the devil so hates and is so scared, we're going to find out. (laughs) Right? Is that... We're not supposed to try to leave everything up up to God that he has given us authority and he has empowered us and enabled us and authorized us and we're supposed to be bold to act on that authority and when we do, things will happen. The enemy does everything he can to hide this, to quench this, to squelch this and he does it under the guise of of religious humility. No, no, no. Sit back. No, be quiet. No, you're nothing. You're nothing. You're just an ungodly worm of a man. You know, sit down and shut up. You, you, you just, just have to wait on God and see what God decides to do. Lies. Are you listening, class? Yes, These are lies from the enemy. We're not to do nothing. Jesus said, the works I do, shall you do also. Did he say it or not, class? The works I do, you'll do too. Did Jesus just sit by the wayside and wait for the Father to do something? He waited on the Father. He prayed. He spent a lot of time seeking him. But when he heard from him, he did something, didn't he? He said what he heard the Father say. He did what he saw the Father do. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He spoke to fevers. He spoke to trees. He spoke to the dead. He spoke to spirits. He didn't ask them. He demanded them. He commanded them, didn't he? Should we act this way? Should we dare to act this way? The answer is yes.
I said, the answer is yes. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now, Jesus never took credit for one healing or one deliverance or one miracle in his ministry. Not one time. He didn't even take credit for one message that he preached. He said, uh, the words I speak, I don't speak of myself. Uh, And he talks about that the Father in him did the works. He was always referring to the Father. He was completely submitted to the Father and completely dependent on what the Father showed him and told him. And of course, that that's, must be the case with us. We, the disciple's not above his master. But he didn't sit by and do nothing saying that everything was up to God. There was the man component that was involved. God had given such authority, the scripture said, unto men. Are you glad about what God has given unto men? And so it went on to say that these scribes reasoned in their hearts. They said, who does this man, what does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? God only. I hope you're listening with your spirit class. This God only is not from God. It's from the enemy when you say it in this context and like this. These men were opposing Jesus on this day. Well, who's behind that? That's the enemy. And so people will be adamant today to say, only God can heal. Only God can forgive. Only God. Only God. Have you ever heard this kind of thing? Only God. When you hear that spirit and that tone, you know it's wrong. It's true. I'm not the healer, you're not the healer, but God doesn't do these things independently of his people. Jesus is the head. We are the body, right? I'm not here teaching today in head only. (laughs) Huh? I needed my body, didn't I? You needed your body to come into the class. You need your body. Hmm? The head didn't just float in here by itself. Huh? You guys would have probably ran out of here. Where's the rest of Brother King? The head just floated. Now, now you're laughing, but that's what people are trying to say. The head only. The head only. Only the head. Only the, no, it's not only the head. It's not. My head got in here today because my feet helped out. Is that right? And my legs helped out. And my arms helped out. And every part of my body, internally and externally, is necessary to accomplish what my head wants done. Right? There needs to be, there must be the full cooperation and involvement of all the members of the body for the head to accomplish its will. It happens through the body. Are you in the body? Huh? 
faith student? Are you in the body? You're in there somewhere, aren't you? You're in there somewhere. And it is significant that you are a part of the eternal body of Christ. Well, I can't say, well, my head's got authority, but not my shoulder. Uh -uh. My shoulder's just an old unworthy shoulder. Shouldn't even be hooked up to the head. No, no, my, my shoulder is Keith, just like my head is Keith, just like my foot is Keith, right? Well, you are Christ. You are Jesus in the sense that you have been born again and placed by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And the authority that the head has, has been given to you as well. Oh, somebody say, I have authority. I have authority. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. That means you're authorized to act. It's not God only. It's not. It's not the head only. It is the head through the body. Go with me to Ephesians over here. Let's, let's remind ourselves of this. One of the things the Spirit of God inspired Paul to pray and, and us to pray was that we would realize this, who we are and what we are as the body of Christ. He said in Ephesians 1 and verse 16, 17, he said he prayed that God the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's just stop here. Did we inherit anything? Hmm? Do we have an inheritance? What is that? Well, he goes on to talk about some of it. Part of this inheritance is the result of the exceeding greatness of his power to who? To us who believe. Are you a believer? Yes. To us, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now this is authority. How many understand the throne is the highest seat of authority, period. Right? In all time and eternity, in all the universe, in all creation, there is no higher place of authority and power than the throne of Almighty God. And here it says that through the work that the, the Father did in Christ, He raised Him from the dead and when he did that, he brought him all the way from the heart of the earth and he picked up his body at the tomb and went all the way up to the highest place in the universe and sat down at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Whew. Is this a high place of authority and power? Far above, not just above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. That's every demon power, every human power, every angelic power. How many understand this is far above, far above, far, not just in height, but in power and in authority. 
Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And, and, somebody say and. and. Oh, you need to mark verse 22. It says and. How many believe that this has happened? Christ has been raised from the dead. He has been brought to the highest place at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. Now, now say the next verse. And. 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 and what? And you. And you, you are in this verse. And he has put all things under his feet. You just got through telling me that you're in the body. You've been born again. You've been placed in the body. So even if you are the the little piece of skin on the bottom of the little toe, on the left foot, guess what? All these things are under your feet. Is that right? He has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Is he the head over all things? Yes. And which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Is the body connected to the head? He goes on to say down in this next, um, the second chapter here, he said that uh, he calls He's caused us to be seated as well. Verse 6, he has raised us up together and made us sit together with Christ. Is it true? Is it true? Has Christ been raised and given a name which is above every name that is named? All authority and power in the earth has been given to him. Is it true? Is it true? What about you? Where are you? Where are you? Somebody say, I'm in Christ. Christ. I've been raised with him. And I'm set down with him. At the right hand of majesty. On high. I also have the name. Which is above every name. That is name. Oh, is it true? Is it true? Are we reading the Bible that cannot lie? Are we reading the word that cannot fail? Heaven and earth will pass away, but not this. This will never fail. This is what the devil so hates. Oh, he so despises this and he so seeks to cover it and to hide it and to promote a fake, phony, religious humility of I'm nothing and I have nothing and I can do nothing. And it's only God. It's only God. It's I can't do anything. It's only God. The devil is the one preaching this. He's the one pushing this because the last thing he wants you to find out is that you have authority over him and you start ordering him around and you start casting him out and you start shutting him down. That's the last thing he wants you to find out. But too late, too late. We found it out. Somebody say, I found it out. I found it too late. I found it out and I'm not going back. Said out loud, I'm in Christ. I have the name of Jesus. I'm authorized. I'm empowered as his ambassador, as his representative to speak and to act in his name. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And our time's up again. Said out loud, I live by faith. I Walk by faith, I overcome the world by faith, I'm strong in faith.
giving glory to God. We'll see you next time here at Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.